Everything as a Service Journal is an online publication built to help technology solution providers identify and quickly tap into new sources of recurring revenue. Mike Monticello. I'm co-founder of Everything as a Service Journal, and today's podcast is going to be a little bit different than what we typically do. Uh, my guest today is going to be my business partner, Jay McCall. So Jay recently attended Blue Star's VarTech. Uh, Blue Star, if you're not familiar, they are a value-added distributor. VarTech is their annual partner conference. It's a pretty good size conference. And there's a lot of uh, really cool things that go on at this conference. This year it was held in San Antonio. And typically Jay and I divide and conquer. We both go to the events and split up and take it on. But uh, this year I fell ill just before we were to leave. And so Jay had to go solo. So this podcast is Jay and I just talking together um, about the event. And Jay came away with four technologies that he felt were really good opportunities for you, IT solution provider. And so we wanted to discuss them and share with you that information. This is part one of two. We talk about two of the, the opportunities, and then in a future episode, we will talk about another two. So at this point, I think I'll stop talking and we'll just dive right into the conversation. I wasn't able to go to Vartech, unfortunately, this year, and you were able to go there. And um, I know you came away with some great learnings that we wanted to kind of discuss here on the podcast because you were uh, felt so strongly about some of the, the the things that they shared at the event. So, I mean, maybe we could get started with you just kind of giving us a little bit of an overview of what you want to talk about here, and we can just jump right in. Yeah. That sounds good to me. There were several great takeaways that I had from this year's uh, Vartech 2023. And um, in fact, you know, initially I was thinking about you know, just doing a podcast episode where I would just highlight the top five or six takeaways. As I started, you know, delving into those and preparing for the podcast, I realized like this is going to be a very long podcast. And, um, I don't know, just the way my brain works. I, I do much better just kind of breaking things up into more bite-sized chunks. And so I'm, I'm envisioning this being a at least a two-part, maybe even a three-part um, podcast. And so, um, yeah, if that's okay. So I thought one of the first, th even though, and I'm trying to think like what order to do things in, one of the first sessions I attended was uh, an emerging technologies uh, session. You know, so those are always, you know, catchy and, you know, over the years covering these, it's, it's, um, you know, you kind of go into these, learn to go into these a little skeptically, but, you know, one of the things I liked about being at a, a Blue Star event, especially, you know, this one was hosted by uh, Mark Fraker, who's uh, anyone who knows, you know, very no nonsense kind of guy. And I liked how he prefaced the whole thing saying like, um, hey, we're not just bringing you here just to kind of, um, you know, throw out a bunch of buzzwords and, you know, get you excited about something that, may or may not be coming down the pike five to 10 years. This is something that's, uh, this is a big opportunity, but it's something that's happening now. 
And uh, these are real opportunities. People are making money from it now. So that, that really got my attention. So it wasn't then, like 20 years ago talking about RFID being the next big thing. Exactly. You know, I always, I always, um, think about that, you know, yeah. RFID, uh, you know, when I started my writing career, it was all the rage in the early two thousands. And it, there was just every single year, like, this is going to be the year of RFID. You would literally see those kind of articles. And, you know, it really wasn't until probably 15 years later that RFID, uh, came out and now, you know, it's, as we know, it's very prevalent, but, there was it took a while, a long time. Yeah, it took a <laughs> long time. You know, there's just the the cost uh, of the tags just wasn't there, and I'm sure other technology infrastructures just weren't um, weren't there yet. And it, it took some time. So yeah, that always kind of helped me to learn to, you know, when I hear about something new and exciting, to uh, rather than just going out and and blabbering that to everyone, like, you got to get on this right now is to really try to investigate and kind of see like, okay, is this something that's, um, you know, exciting for down in, in the future, flying cars and things like that? Or is this, you know, uh, but in this case, you know, these are, like I said, these are technologies I'm excited to uh, report about that. In fact, you know, and, and I'm, maybe these are things that uh, we're going to share with our audience that aren't new to them, but I, I imagine at least uh, a few of them, you know, may be new. And uh, you know, definitely worth looking into. So, you know, so this uh, this this session for it was uh, four emerging technologies uh, that VARs, MSPs, and ISVs should be paying attention to. And so, for this you know first session, I'd like to really focus on uh, two of those technologies, and you'll understand why I chose these two to hone in on here uh, today. So the first. Uh, emerging technology they talked about was, uh, Mike, I think this is your favorite uh, acronym. Uh, so the, it, this acronym stands for Programmatic Digital Out of Home. And then the uh, acronym is PDO. And actually, it's interesting. I mean, just a little aside, like everyone hates this acronym for different reasons. But um, in fact, the person uh, presenting there um, on this topic, he refused to even <laughs> say the acronym. He would just say it out and it's a, it's a mouthful but anyway all that aside so what what is this um pdu it's it's the automated buying and selling of digital displays for advertising so you know a little bit more on this it pdu uses algorithms and automated bidding to show ads that are relevant to people in the vicinity so so we're talking about you know digital advertising but not just in a but adding a lot more uh, intelligence and I'll get into some of the examples of that and so the benefit of this uh, technology it allows advertisers to reach highly targeted audiences while they're on the go and um, you know just one example that always comes to mind you know I don't know if you've ever, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this at a gas station you know you're filling up your your vehicle and all of a sudden a display pops up so that could be an example of this that, you know, depending on the type of intelligence that they're building into it, but for one, you know, they realize that you're at this particular gas station. So, you know, of course the local ads stop into the uh, store now and get a discount on coffee or some other beverage, but it actually goes, it can get a lot even more uh, interesting and exciting than that. So the appeal, like I mentioned, very targeted. The algorithm takes into account things such as the time of day, the geographical relevance, uh, the type of person that must be uh, watching. 
and then allows advertisers to only show ads when they're likely to be seen by the most consumers. So here, getting to a couple examples, uh, Patagonia, you might be familiar with them. They they can um, they're using this. They set weather triggers to play on freeway billboards uh, to advertise, you know, rain gear when it's raining. Uh, Campbell's Soup is another one that's uh, using this. They launched a successful uh, programmatic digital campaign uh, based around temperature. Their ads only went live when the temperature dipped below a certain point. So I guess that's when people are more likely to think about a warm cup of soup, right? Um, and then I heard about another one, uh, Dewey Egberts. It's a coffee brand. Uh, they put facial recognition uh, kiosks with cameras in an airport. And if a person you know, walked by the display and yawned, they would they would receive a free cup of coffee, freshly brewed cup of coffee. So, you know, those are just a few um, examples. You can see that just having just a few more data points, um, you know, really leads to uh, you know much better results. Believe it or not. So, let's look at the market growth for PDU. Okay, and then I've got some questions for you. All right, we can start with your questions here. I, I don't want to oh, just keep rambling on. I can. No, no, uh, yeah, that's fine. So when you say that um, there, these are targeted. It's I could in the example that you gave with maybe you're filling up um, at a you know the gas station. I've seen I've been at plenty of gas stations where they have those little displays in the the gas pumps. If I'm a if I'm a loyalty member or you know whatever a member of their program, then I'd imagine that they could get really, really targeted because yeah. I scan my card. They know exactly who I am. They know my history. They know, yeah, this guy loves to come in and get a cup of coffee or a you know breakfast sandwich or whatever. But in cases where they don't know who the specific person is, from my understanding, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, this is still highly targeted because they at least know some information about you, right? They know that you have a vehicle because in, in the example that you're at a gas station, they right. know some of the things that they sell and they're trying to push. They can pull in things like the weather that you've already discussed and things like that. But going beyond gas pumps, there are applications where this could be used, say, at a gym, right? They know that you're someone that cares about health. They know that, so that, is that the type of... Um, focused advertising that you're talking about here if they don't know who you are exactly they at least know something about you based on the 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 location of this display yes, right the type will, of yes the type of store it's in or where it's located in the in a city or wherever yeah exactly so geolocation is you know one of the primary metrics and then um you know as an example with the um the coffee retailer facial recognition you know you can you know there's yeah. a lot of interesting things that they can tell about that you know like the general age of a person gender uh a little bit about the mood right if the person's yawning or smiling or frowning or you know those kind of things can all come into play so those algorithm that algorithm or whatever it looks at the location time of day all that stuff um that's the difference between this and just regular digital signage that we're used to right i yeah. guess is that uh, okay so if someone's listening to this that's really the the um money maker here is that aspect that can get really um 
focused and show ads that are more relevant than typical digital signage. Right. So they're customized along these various you know, ways that we've talked about. And so you have uh, through automation, it isn't someone, you know, looking outside, seeing it's raining and, oh, hey, we need to change up our advertising. This is all, you know, an automated process happening. Okay. And, and then the last question, I'll let you go on and then I can ask you more, but you mentioned Patagonia using billboards. So if I'm a VAR, MSP, ISV, whatever, I'm thinking, well, I'm probably not going to get in the billboard game. Um, Gas pumps. Yes, that's something that you could get into. And I think we might talk about that later. Um, (laughs) Spoiler alert. Yeah. But you're also talking about digital signage that would just be in a retailer's location, right? Like in the front of the store pointing out or inside the store pointing inward, something like that. So these are, it doesn't have to be a billboard. These could be normal digital signage type displays that people are used to thinking about when it comes to digital signage and kiosks. Is that correct? Yeah, it can be all the things you you think of, I mean, with digital displays, but then also, you know, some things that, um, you know, there's different out of the box types of displays that uh, that are coming about as well. Uh, So basically, anytime you have people gathering that, you know, you could have eyeballs looking at something, I mean, that's a potential uh, for one of these types of displays. And, you know, like you mentioned, we're going to get into uh, one example here in a little bit. It'll be the number two technology. Okay. It's very complimentary to this. So just before we get into that, though, just a couple of things about this, the market growth, it was pretty impressive. So so this type of particular marketing was valued at $645 million in 2021, and it's expected to expand at a compound annual growth rate of 39%, reaching $4.7 billion by 2027. So that's, you know, remarkable growth in this particular type of marketing. So absolutely kind of tells you that, you know, as companies are trying this, they're having, you know, huge success and it's a, just a skyrocketing demand. So, so then the next question, so, Hey, that's great. But what about the, uh, VAR MSP ISV opportunity, you know? Sure. Uh, so at this, uh, conference, the company there's, uh, Smartify Media. So they are a digital media management platform company, also a mouthful. Um, they help businesses deliver advertising messages on digital signage. So they would be the, an example of the type of company that a, a reseller or ISV would work with. Their platform analyzes location-based app usage to determine foot traffic, and their algorithm determines the media value of a specific location based on the foot traffic, product offerings, and other factors. So they have the software that has the built-in capabilities like we've been talking about to um, take that temperature data or other data and then automatically apply it in real time and then pull up uh, the appropriate types of ads. Uh, so they would be an example, like I said, a type of company. Uh, and they... Uh, they also are, have a channel program, so that's another, you know, important thing to consider. I guess when you, when you, for someone who wants to get into this space, you know, you want to work with companies that are channel friendly. So I I, yeah. I, I saw a um, a presentation by Smartify Media a, a year ago, I think, and if I if my memory is correct, when you talk about the the media value of a specific location, 
from my understanding, you might have say as a VAR, maybe working with a, a merchant or retailer, they've, they're on like a really hot corner of a street and they're willing to put in some digital signage that's outward facing and inward facing. My understanding was that you provide that address or, you know, the GPS coordinates of the location to Smartify Media. And they do come back to you with some kind of a dollar value that you can make per month and that your merchant can make per month just based on their knowledge of what the traffic in that area. I don't know what they're tapping into, if it's Google Maps uh, traffic reports or something, but somehow they're able to see yeah, that, hey, this location gets X number of cars or, I don't know, walk walk-bys, et cetera to come up with the value of it. And in the examples that they gave, it was pretty good money for even locations that I didn't consider. I mean, they were, they were talking about locations that were in like, you know, Brooklyn, New York, and it was unbelievable value to those locations. But then they used one that was like, a, I don't, I want to say it was like a small corner store in like Idaho or Iowa or something. I don't remember there were like grain silos in the background and it still earned the VAR, I want to say it was like close to 500 bucks a month. And wow. so you think about adding some of these together and it can be, I could see the market growth and the opportunity and um, the opportunity to, to the VARs and, and MSPs out there. It's pretty interesting. So I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, you know, <laughs> what you said reminded me, you know, when we talk about Idaho, I think, you know, the town I grew up in, which is, you know, about 10 miles south of where I'm at right now, it, uh, it, uh, very small town, one traffic light. And I noticed within the past year, they actually have an outdoor digital display in the park there. I'm thinking like, wow, I can't, of, of all the places in this general area, I mean, but you're right that, that somehow they're able to, whether it's using like uh, randomized cell phone data. So you're not supposedly not able to track it to the person, but at least to know traffic numbers and times a day that that many cell phones are yeah. They're, uh, you know, pinging the towers, you know, there is a lot of information out there. So obviously there was enough for someone to justify putting up a display there. So that makes me think like, man, if, if that can be a revenue generator in that park, um, I, I can only imagine the, um, other opportunities that are out there. Yeah. So, um, so smart media was mentioning at this at this show they're looking for reseller partners that have you know access and relationships with great retailers in the uh, U.S. markets that want to activate digital signage and monetize existing traffic from their retail locations and uh, uh, there's you know recurring revenue opportunities not only for the resellers but then like you mentioned too even the um, uh, the resellers themselves can earn recurring revenue so it can really be a a win-win there. And um, this is definitely something that I think that, uh, you know, if for those listening here today, if it's something you're not currently uh, tapped into, I would definitely recommend making that a very high priority. It's uh, like a huge market and uh, there's a there's a growing demand for it. And you know, there's lots of ways to um, get into this market, but one of the nice things too about you know going to a show like this is uh, with a distributor like Blue Star or whatever just distributor imagine show you would go to. These guys do a lot of vetting of these types of companies, so they know that first of all that they're you know financially stable, 
and channel friendly. Those are the, the two big keys here. In fact, you know, this, this company, I don't think I might've over, uh, forgot to mention this, you know, they're, they're working with clients such as TikTok, Starbucks, the United States Postal Service, Wells Fargo, Amazon, White Claw. So uh, they definitely have a solid, you know, offering in place to uh, attract that level of clientele. And the nice thing about being, you know, cloud-based, it's, uh, you don't have to only have, uh, it's very scalable up or down, right? So even a smaller chain retailer or restaurant could could take advantage of this. So. Yeah, and like you said, they're kind of like the the hub, right? They're they're working with those with big brands like like I'll just use like a Coke or a Pepsi, right? Would approach them and say, "Hey, we'd like to place some ads on your network." And then Smartify uses all of its displays that are out there and displays Coke or Pepsi ads, whatever we're talking about at the appropriate time to the appropriate audience, right? And if it's not the right audience, like I, I mentioned a health uh, like a, a gym earlier, like you might not want to be advertising uh, Pepsi there, but they might be advertising Gatorade or some, you know, something, something else. Right. So yeah, it's really targeted that way. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. And you know, and it, and it can also be a mix of like for the gym example, um, a mix of products that that gym might not even sell as well as services uh, you know, classes they might be offering, you know, special membership, uh, promote promos. So that can all be interwoven with these other complementary ads. Uh, in so this- that's a good point. That's a great point because I mean, most likely uh, a reseller MSP, whatever, we'll just call them solution provider. You know, they're not going to own all the different physical locations that these digital signage uh, units can be deployed, right? It's going to be their merchants, their customers that they're going to have to get on board with this. And so if you are a grocery store and you're worried about, hey, we only sell these brands, I'm 99.9% sure that you can have that kind of control where the displays in store are not promoting their competitors or they're not promoting, uh, you know, promoting brands that they don't sell. Right. Um, right. And, and I also believe that the merchant has like, they get a certain percentage of the display time, right? Like if there's X number of days or hours in a day, that merchant is going to be able to use some of that time for their own ads and promoting their own things, which is going to be the benefit and of, of interest to the, to the merchant, right? They're not going to want to uh, put these things in and have it have no benefit to them. Right. Um, like, it's, yeah, it's not just only going to promote other yeah. complementary organizations and services, but. So not only does it add, dis- help the merchant promote anything that they are currently selling, but that merchant also gets a cut of whatever this, whatever Smartify is paying, they get a cut of that as well. So it's a, it's a nice little revenue stream for a merchant, especially some that might only be open certain hours of the, of the day. In my small town here, we've got this really premium corner. It's a choke point. Everyone comes through and right on the corner is a dog grooming business. They've got huge front windows and they usually just write like dog, cat, like, you know, there's nothing really going on in the windows of value and they're only open certain hours of the day and maybe even only certain days of the week. If they had those digital signs pointing outward, 
they'd be able to capitalize and earn revenue every hour of the day. So it, it's pretty compelling value proposition. I can see why Mark brought this up and why Blue Star is so keen to promote it. Yeah, I'm sensing a business opportunity for you in the near future. Here, <laughs> go back to your uh, reseller roots here. Yep, we got to cut this off, Jay. I got to go. <laughs> so yeah, so before we go on, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about concerning this PDU opportunity? You know, I think for me, uh, the thing that I've, I'm interested in is I'd like to get in touch with the CEO of this company, this uh, Joe Kunagonis, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's the one that was speaking at the event. And I'd like to learn a little bit more about, you know, spe more specifics about the uh, earning opportunity for the channel. And that could be, you know, either an article or another podcast that we do. Because I imagine like a lot of things, there's different levels and ways that uh, solution providers can be involved. Some, for instance, you know, larger ones may have their own marketing departments and be able to, you know, play some role in the creation of the media where others might say like, hey, that's not our thing or a smaller, you know, reseller and just want to, uh, you know, leave the advertising up to uh, other companies and just have, you know, just earn the recurring revenue off of impressions or whatever the specific metrics are. So I, I guess the bottom line, I want to learn more about all the different ways that solution providers can earn money from this. But uh, again, it is a huge opportunity and uh, something I think that uh, our listeners and we should uh, stay close to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. You just reminded me of something as well. When you're talking about the revenue generating opportunities here, there's also... I'm assuming, depending on the display, the display itself, right? I mean, if these could be large screens that could be part of the solution or small, small screens, but in some way you've got two components, you've got the software, the Smartify media that's driving everything, but it's got to be displayed on something. So that's yeah. part of the opportunity for the solution provider as well. Exactly. Yeah. There's definitely a hardware component for sure. Okay. And then the last thing I just want to say, and we should, probably should have started this podcast by saying this. I mean, we're not doing this for Blue Star. They're not paying us to say any of this stuff. Uh, although full disclosure, they are a supporter and a sponsor of DevPro Journal um, and everything as a service journal. Um, but they're not paying us to say anything about this. We're, we're just mentioning it because it was really good information that you learned at the show. Um, that said, I do believe that Blue Star does have some kind of a bundle that they call all their solutions like in a box. Or, and I believe that they have some bundle that includes hardware and this software ready to go. So if you're a Blue Star partner, uh, you know, to get started in this, it could be something as simple as just making a call to your rep and, and asking them about it. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's funny that uh, they didn't even talk about, I did see signage at their show for the in a box, but I didn't see any of these four solutions. These, each of these four presenters, I mean, they shared a lot of information. And by the time it was, you know, it was like an hour and a half worth of info and then wasn't even time for Q&A. So it's still a lot of follow up yeah. I'd like to do here. But yeah, yeah it's a great point. It uh, definitely helps when you can have things bundled together. So it really you know, reduces the legwork that the channel partner has to do to make sure everything's working together properly. And you know, that's what I'm kind of excited about to kind of a segue into our uh, next topic. 
uh, is uh, electric vehicle charging stations. So, you know, as you know, in fact, I know Mike, you have a not a fully electric vehicle, but a hybrid vehicle. So now, with a hybrid vehicle, do you uh, actually stop at gas stations and plug in ever, or probably not? Right? I mean, since it's no. So what I what I have is the Jeep Wrangler Four by E. So that is a it's got an internal combustion engine which works just fine. It's like a four cylinder, but it also has a an electric um, motor and battery. Uh, I don't know how large the battery is spec wise, but it gets me about 25 miles on pure electric, or I can be in like a hybrid mode where it's supposed to give me better gas mileage, um, for just getting around my little local town here. I can just stay on pure electric and, you know, I charge, I can charge at public charging stations, um, but they're few and far between, which could be the opportunity here that we're going to talk about. Most of the time I charge up at home when I, when I'm out and about, it's a real problem finding charging stations. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, you know, you start delving into the research on where the electric vehicle market is going and like, for instance, the uh, S and P global mobility company forecasts electric vehicle sales in the U S could reach 40% of total passenger car sales by 2030. So just seven years from now, they could be making up 40% of the overall uh, cars out on the road. Uh, and, you know, there's other more optimistic projections that even put that at 50%. So, um, and then, you know, if you back up, just looking down the road a few years, uh, there was another research article that I read. It said uh, one out of five new cars sold will be electric by 2025. And, uh, so, so what does that, what does that mean? So one of the reasons that, uh, the objections or reasons people don't, um, make that transition right now is because wherever they're living, they might be aware that, Hey, there's not as enough electric vehicle charging stations, right? So that's putting a huge demand, you know, you need the infrastructure to uh, support that. So as you can imagine, uh, that aspect of electric vehicles, the charging station, there's, there's huge projections for growth in that area. And that's what we're going to get into, you know, for the opportunity for the solution providers. So just one more statistic uh, here, according to Fortune Business Insights, the global electric vehicle charging station market size is projected to reach 112 billion by 2028. So I think now, so in 2021, it was 17, just under 18 billion to go from that in a seven year period to 112 billion. I mean, that's huge. That's a 30% compound annual growth rate over that period. And so, you know, you think about, you know, I guess the first thing that always comes to mind, you know, we think of, you know, gas stations now, uh, or, or like, I think of like convenience stores, you know, like uh, in our area, we have sheets, you know, so they've got a whole section now devoted for uh, electric vehicle charging, but it's even more than that, that we're going to be seeing these things. I mean, um, residences are going to have, you know, there's obviously, you know, people drive home at night, charging overnight is going to be is an obvious one. Also offices as more, uh, as we see an increase in, uh, the electric vehicles, uh, offices are going to be enabling, uh, folks to charge their vehicles while they're at work. 
um, municipal buildings, same thing. Schools, even you think about um, uh, attractions uh, like, you know, for us, Cedar Point or, you know, amusement parks. While people are there enjoying the amusement parks, their cars can be charging. Retail stores, grocery stores. I mean, um, there's a lot of different types of businesses and organizations that um, are going to be uh, is where these this increase in charging stations is going to happen. And so, you know, when I first heard that, I'm thinking like, oh gosh, if I'm, you know, a solution provider and I have like a you know a small chain I'm selling to, it's, it's probably still going to be a tough sell that. Hey, for just $5,000, I can install a charging station. But even that challenge is being addressed. You know, there's a, there's a number of different uh, federal uh, policies and regulations uh, that are make, making it easier to hit these goals. Like the, um, the one I heard about, for instance, was the, a, uh, like a tax credit. And so the one that the company shared was that, you know, it's like it is on average $5,000 to, uh, for the end user to buy a charging station, but there's a $4,000 tax credit that they can receive or qualify for. So you can imagine that really can be a game changer for someone who's uh, maybe on the fence about it, you know, and um, make it even a lot more affordable for even a smaller business or organization to um, set one of these up. And so, so I guess you learned about this at Blue Star. So Blue Star is, you know, I think of like barcodes, I think of point of sale systems, and I know they, they've got a very broad line, but any of the distributors, their, their competitors, I never really would consider EV charging stations to be something on their line card, but this is now something that they believe solution providers can get involved with i'm assuming because they already have a relationship with the merchant right it's the the easy way in yeah yeah so this particular uh company his name is loop so they they make these uh all types of different vehicle charging stations and you know they you know that are you know they've thought through all of all of the challenges because you know you don't just have tesla you have lots of different companies now getting into this game so and just like anything that they have different plugs and so on. So, you know, they've got adapters for every make and model and different, I guess when you think of like, uh, there's different levels of power supply available in different areas too. So they have chargers that, you know, some that can are super fast charging. Like if you're just going to be at a, you know, you stop at a gas station, you don't want to hang out there all day while your car is charging. So they've got super, uh, you know, within 30 minutes you can get, um, you know, more than 80% charge back up there versus like, if you're going to, like we mentioned earlier, like a theme park, well, you're probably gonna be there several hours. So you don't, you don't need that level of charging station. So you can get the lower powered, um, models, uh, for, for those venues. And so, um, but where I was going with this though, one of the reasons I, I wanted to talk about this in particular is because so in addition to the resellers or the solution providers being able to earn money by, um, you know, partnering with a company like Loop and and being able to take advantage, help their customers take advantage of some of these uh, tax credits and so on to be able to afford these. You know, so there's recurring revenue opportunities from for installing these. And then there's even an additional level because on these uh, 
EV charging stations are digital displays. And not coincidentally, this company Loop partners with Spartify Media, and that enables the uh, programmatic digital out of this out of home <laughs> advertise P do. Uh, opportunities on these uh, digital displays. So you have that built-in intelligence on these digital displays. And again, a, an additional incremental uh, rev revenue opportunity for the uh, solution providers. Interesting. Okay. So now you're talking about combining these two opportunities and kind of doubling the amount of recurring revenue that you can earn on a monthly basis. Yeah, absolutely. If you've already convinced the customer that, you, you know, that, hey, having these electric charging stations is going to bring in new customers to your restaurant, your store or whatnot. Hey, why not you, Mr. Customer earning uh, some additional incremental revenue by putting intelligent uh, displays uh, on these and activating those and selling advertising and making money off of that. Yeah. I wonder so, in the, in the cases where these are implemented and they are charging a fee, which I'm assuming that's one option, right? You could either say, Hey, anyone who comes to our location can charge for free. That's a huge value add to shoppers, or sure. I'm guessing you could charge. Um, yeah. in that case, do you, do you know if, um, if the solution provider can get a cut of any of the credit card processing that's taking place then if that would be a third revenue stream that would be pretty interesting oh that's a great point I, you know i do not know that but uh, that would be good for us to find that out so i guess then the the other question that comes to mind then which it's because to me this feels like if if i were a var or msp working on networks or digital signage even this feels a little outside my comfort zone you know most of the things i'm installing are inside the four walls in a controlled environment that I'm used to, you know, operating in. And now we're talking about putting this unit out in a parking lot, dealing with all these different weather elements. And also, I guess, just even getting the electricity out there. You talked about the amount of power that some of these have. So it sounds like you're going to have to partner with an electrician or, or of some sort, or did, does Blue Star and Loop, do they have all that figured out as well? Do you know? You know, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I, I was wondering that myself. I mean, I. So it sounds like we should definitely get someone from Smartify Media and Loop separately on the phone and like learn more about these solutions because they sound really interesting. And, you know, we probably have, I mean, I know we have a number of questions that uh, could be answered that would be valuable for our listeners to, to be informed on. So before, uh, you know, anything else to, to mention here, Jay, before we end this one? No, I just wanted to say that, you know, these are two huge opportunities. And then the, the bonus is that they're complementary to one another. Uh, and the two examples we shared, aren't, they're not the only players in the market, but again, just to kind of hearkening back to what I mentioned earlier, they were vetted by a multi-billion dollar distributor. Uh, they have lots of successful installs under their belts. They're both channel friendly. So I definitely recommend at least checking them out. And then, um, you know, looking forward to the you know next part of our podcast, we'll discuss the two additional emerging trends that VARs, MSPs, and ISVs should be paying attention to. And that's uh, robots and hologram technology. So stay tuned for that. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Zazzcast. Uh, as mentioned, we're going to have a part two of this episode in the near future. So keep an eye open. In the meantime, 
Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.